Right, now I think you can hear me. So today I would like to share some thoughts on, on a term that we have come to, to acknowledge for some time, not too long, but it's out there, you know, the term of fake news, um, which we have to be careful of. And because I want to speak about fake meta or actor meta. And for the first time I heard this term, it was by an Australian monk, a Buddhist monk, Bhante Sujato. He, in one of his talks that I heard, he was speaking about actor meta or fake meta. So, you know, in the instructions, <clears throat> we repeatedly uh, have told you and are telling you that meta is this heartfelt wish for the happiness and well-being of all living beings, including ourselves. So stressing the fact that it really, really should be a heartfelt wish, you know, coming from the depths of our heart, really wanting the other person to be happy, to be well, to be free from suffering and so on. And also in the instructions uh, telling you that you try to connect to the other person, you know, try to get a connection with this person, feel close um, to this person in a way. But sometimes we may notice in our practice, it's not possible, you know, either the connection we cannot establish or difficult, we just do not have the, the sense or the feeling that we are connected to the other person. And then also, you know, that there is actually no heartfelt wish for this person to be happy and well. You know, that is maybe just coming over our lips, but you know, that we do not actually wish it from the depths of our heart. With this we have to deal in our practice. And, you know, when we have to deal with other people, um, you know, our reaction uh, is one of getting upset or getting angry or getting anxious and so on. And usually the habitual response is to um, give back with the same amount of anger or ill will or aversion or pushing away. You know this mechanism and you know this is uh, where the practice um, of meditation comes in, cultivation of the heart and mind. What Iveranyani has repeatedly said, feed the wholesome and starve the unwholesome. 
So starving the unwholesome negative reactions of ill will, aversion, pushing away, feeling hostile towards a person. And so it might be that in a situation, uh, you know, the other person is angry, shouting at us, threatening us, being very hostile. And we feel, you know, the anger or the irritation creeping us, creeping up in ourselves, you know, and lash our anger out. But then maybe there is a moment of presence, of mindfulness, and knowing, you know, from the teachings and from our practice, we know to react with anger is actually not skillful. It's hurting myself by being trapped in an angry state and it will only increase the difficulties between me and this other person. So maybe this soft um, voice of wisdom understanding comes up and says, says, don't react with anger. And then the next thought might may be, you know, conditioned by the metta meditation practice, be kind, be friendly. And then, and you know, this happens very, very quickly within a second. And then we have kind of the choice do we want to give in to our habitual reaction, lash out our aversion, dosa, or, you know, trying to starve the unwholesome reaction of anger and be friendly, be kind, or at least not aversive, trying to be neutral at least. You know, there is this freedom of, you know, turning the mind in a wholesome direction, of feeding, nurturing, cultivating the wholesome. And although, you know, to respond in a friendly way is not coming from the depths of our heart, you know, it's not because we feel this great kindness and friendliness towards this other person, but at least intellectually we know this is much better. This is much more wholesome. And so in this way, we may, you know, act as an actor, being kind of friendly and kind. And it definitely will help the whole situation. So in this way, you know, even actor metta or fake metta has its place, has its benefits in our practice. And I want to relate a story or maybe a couple of stories which illustrate this point so nicely. The first one is about a Chinese bride and this story has been told by Mingo Rinpoche. He said he heard it from somebody and it has happened maybe 50, 60 years ago, somewhere in China. So as it was custom, you know, when a young couple gets married, 
uh, woman has to move in with her uh, father and mother-in-law, like move to her husband's house. And there, you know, she has to take care of the household, um, do the cooking, cleaning, organizing the household. And her mother-in-law, you know, had some other ideas how the household should be run and told the young woman, you know, do it like this, do it that way, or no, this is wrong. And so, you know, they didn't get along so very well with each other. And, you know, it was really like trivial things, but as this continued to happen, both of them started not to like the other person, to dislike each other. And they started to quarrel more and more. And the mother-in-law, she thought, well, the, the wife of my son, she is an arrogant child, you know, not respecting the elders how she should and running the household completely in a wrong way. And the young woman thought, you know, this old, this old bitch of a mother-in-law, you know, <sighs> difficult. And it went on like this. And it was really becoming so difficult for the, the young woman that she started to have thoughts of how could I get rid of my mother-in-law? And it was serious. And so very desperate, she went to see a doctor, told him, the, the whole situation and asked him to please give her some poison with which she could poison her mother-in-law. And the doctor listened to her and then said, well, you know, if I give you a very strong poison with which your mother-in-law dies immediately, then, you know, you would be suspected to have done it and then they find out that I have given you the poison and so wouldn't be good for the two of us. That's why I give you some, po some poison that only takes effect gradually, a weak poison, but you know, if you put it repeatedly into the food of your mother-in-law, eventually she will die. So the young woman went home with these herbs. No. The doctor then said, but you know, one thing you have to do. So each time you serve your mother-in-law her meal, be very kind, be very friendly, you know, put her plate in front of her and um, put some nice flowers on the table and uh, tell her to enjoy the food and ask her what else she would like uh, to have, what you could do for her. So be very friendly, very kind to her. The young woman did as she was told and in each meal she mixed some of these herbs into the food of her mother-in-law and day after day after day and as the young woman was so kind to her mother-in-law, the mother-in-law started to think, well, my daughter-in-law isn't that bad at all. She isn't that arrogant as I had thought in the beginning. Actually, she's quite, quite kind and friendly. 
and so she started to to praise her for the cooking or for doing things you know nicely and with this the young lady she thought well actually my mother-in-law isn't that the bitch as i had thought you know she's actually also quite nice and so in this way the relationship between the two of them started to improve and they became more friendly with each other and eventually they became like good friends and by that time the young lady stopped to put the herbs into the food of her mother-in-law but then she thought until now i have already mixed so many of these poisonous herbs you know my mother in law is going to die eventually <gasps> no this cannot be she, she's such a nice person so she went back to the doctor told him that well she was wrong her mother-in-law was actually quite a nice person and you know that she was fearing that she was going to die so begging the doctor please give me an antidote um, to these herbs so that she wouldn't die the doctor paused a while and then said, well, I'm sorry, there is no antidote for these herbs. And with this, the young woman, um, you know, was very upset and was, was saying, in this way, I'm going to kill myself. The doctor asked, why do you want to kill yourself? And she said, well, you know, I've been wrong and uh, my mother-in-law is, is going to die, you know, uh, so I have to punish myself. I have to kill myself, you know, it's so bad. And the doctor then said, well, you know, and started to chuckle, to, to laugh. And this made the young lady quite upset and said, how can you laugh, you know? But the doctor said, well, you know, I cannot give you an antidote to these herbs because they were not poisonous from the beginning. All I gave you was some harmless herbs. So this is the story. And, you know, with this we see that the actor meta of the young woman brought about the change that would have been unimaginable for both of them. And, you know, the two of them did not greatly change their behavior. They, you know, remained more or less the same persons. But what had changed was their attitude, their attitude towards the other person. And that led to this improvement of their relationship, of seeing each other with different eyes. And the second story that I also like is about Therese of Lisieux, a French saint, and she is one of the two patron saints of France. 
she was a nun in a Carmelite monastery. This is a closed order. She entered the monastery when she was 15. And so, you know, going into that monastery, it was like for the rest of the life, she would be in there and only be together with all the nuns that were in that monastery, not seeing anybody else. And each morning they had some silent prayers in the chapel and she was sitting behind another nun <coughs> who made these funny clicking sounds into the silence. Not regularly, but you know, maybe something like that every now and again. And Therese of Lisieux got so upset about that. And anyway, she thought, you know, that nun, she, she didn't like the way she walked. She didn't like the way she behaved. She didn't like the way she talked when they talked. So she had this strong aversion towards this other nun. <clears throat> and, you know, each day, each morning in the silent uh, prayer time, it happened. And after some time, Therese of Lisieux started to realize that, you know, this other nun would do that for the rest of her life. She was not going to change. And she could not evade this person. So Therese thought, okay, what can I do to feel more at ease and in peace? And so she started to realize, well, I can change something in myself. And so she decided to be kind and friendly to this other nun because also she reflected that there must be something beautiful in this nun. Otherwise, God would not have chosen her to become a nun in that Carmelite order. So God must have seen something beautiful in this person. So Teresa of Lisieux tried to perceive her, you know, as a good person, worth of being a bride of Jesus. And instead of, you know, avoiding her in the corridors, she made a point of, you know, greeting her in a friendly way. Um, when the other nun was doing something, she went up to her to help her doing her job, gave her little, little presents like this. Teresa of Lysia really tried hard to see this other nun as her best friend. Of course, in the beginning, she did not have these um, genuine feelings, but she tried. So again, actor meta that she applied. But then over time, this other nun realized the kindness of Teresa. And one day then she said, well, I do not really know how I deserve so much kindness and friendliness of you. And Teresa of Lisio just thought, if you knew, you know, I have been hard, working hard on this. 
but with that, you know, the relationship smoothened and really uh, they became really good friends and Teresa of Lisieux had no more feelings of ill will towards this nun. And also here, the other nun, she didn't stop to do this funny clicking noises <clears throat> in the silent prayer in the chapel. That continued. But now, because Teresa of Lisieux had changed her attitude, uh, it wasn't a problem anymore. So Teresa of Lisieux realized that she could not change another person, the world, but she could change herself. And once she had changed herself, the whole world changed for her. So with these two stories, we see that fake meta or actor meta can have its place in the practice. You know, this is where wisdom and understanding comes in, telling us it's simply not wise and skillful to act out of aversion and ill will, although it's present. You know, there wisdom says, try to act friendly. And even if it's not from the depths of our heart, it's still better than succumbing to dosa. So with these reflections, I want to go into our silent metta meditation. Today, again, we will pick a difficult person. Again, you know, do not jump immediately to, to your worst enemy or the most um, difficult person you have in your life. Again, an easy difficult person, a second easy difficult person. So sit in a comfortable way. Take a few moments to settle into your body, to feel your body. to relax your body. And also to relax your mind. And start with the cultivation of metta towards a very easy person, yourself or a benefactor or close person, dear friend. So a person for whom it's usually very easy to 
opening up loving kindness, this attitude of benevolence and friendliness. And we'll spend a few minutes with cultivating loving kindness for this easy accessible person. May my teacher be well, happy and peaceful. Or may my friend be safe and protected. Gently and silently repeat your metta wish, inclining the mind to goodness, to benevolence, to friendliness, to unconditional love.
And now we'll move to the second difficult person. Take a few moments to choose such a person. Bring this person up in your mind, either as just the felt sense of this person or maybe a mental image that pops up or a situation with this person where, you know, it has been kind of difficult So making clear who this person is and then making the bridge from, let's say, the benefactor wishing in the same way as I wish my benefactor to be well, happy and peaceful, may so-and-so, this difficult person, be well, happy and peaceful. Or in the same way as I wish my friend to be safe and protected, may so-and-so person who has caused some irritation, may this person be safe and protected as well. And then continue to cultivate thoughts of loving kindness, friendliness, benevolence towards this person. Trying to see that this person is just another human being with the same basic wish to live happily and peacefully. So to see our shared humanity. To see this person as a person, as a human being, and not seeing this person through the lens of what action she has done to us or to others.
So coming out of our silent metta meditation. You may move the body, stretch a little bit. While all the way keeping the metta in our heart and mind. So for the practice in the next 24 hours, stay with the second difficult person in the formal sitting meditation, the formal walking meditation. And as we have said, you know, start with where it's easy. Spend the first five minutes or 10 minutes by cultivating metta for a benefactor or yourself or a dear friend, with any person for whom you easily can tap into this quality of kindness, benevolence, in order to establish it, make it stronger. And then from there, move to the second difficult person. And then see how it goes. You know, do not give up immediately if it seems kind of not to work, if um, the metta becomes weaker or if some ill will, aversion, resistance come up, you know, work with these difficulties. We have given you many ways and approaches how to do it. Only, you know, by having tried earnestly, you really struggle and get drawn into a spiral of more negativity. Okay, then decide. Now I have tried, I go back to an easy person, so back to the benefactor or a friend, build up the meta again until you know all the aversion, ill will has gone. And then from there, go back to the second difficult person. In day-to-day -day activities, you may stay with this person at times when you remember, when it's possible, or otherwise do the more freestyle metta practice, cultivating metta for yourself, for any person being you see here are in contact with, remember, or for all living beings in general. Just one little remark uh, in regard to Therese of Lisieux. She died quite young. She was only 24 when she died of tuberculosis. So she was only a nun for nine years. But, you know, uh, she, her, her influence or her effect of being a nun and, you know, has been great. She has kind of worked many miracles or wonders, you know, little ones, but really those who make a difference. And apparently she has said, you know, um, these little things, these little wonders or miracles, we can call them, they are in the reach of each of us. You know, as she has shown by, a, by changing her attitude, one can make a big, big, big difference 
you have also seen it in the story of the Chinese bride. And my last remark is, you know, in regards to the reflections two days ago on Valentine's Day, apparently the last words of Teresa of Lisieux on her deathbed were, my God, I love you. Well, thank you.